Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to Supergirl TV Talk, the podcast where we discuss CBS's superhero TV outing, Supergirl. I'm Frank. And I'm Tim. And welcome to the show, everybody. Welcome, welcome. This is a great one. This is a really fun one. Later on in the show, we are going to talk to the one and only Sterling Gates. Oh, yeah. We've been holding this in for a little while. We're finally out there. We're talking to Sterling Gates. We have some fun stuff going on here at the uh, at the old Supergirl TV Talk uh, headquarters. Uh, you know, there's a lot of news, a lot of fun stuff coming coming this uh, coming our way uh, with regards to the show. You know, pilot's been filming; great stuff is happening. We're gonna we're gonna put a pause on that for the moment because we have we have a fun uh, fun announcement for all of our listeners. You know, if you're if you're a Supergirl fan, you're a Superman fan. Uh, there's a there's a pretty decent chance that there's some Star Wars fans out there. Mm-hmm. You think that's you think that's fair to say? Supergirls from a different planet. Star <laughs> Wars are different planets in a different galaxy. Krypton's from a different it's galaxy. Science. You it's must science. Be it's science. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not even science fiction. It's just science. it's just science. No, we're, yeah. we're huge Star Wars fans, and we know that many of you out there are too. And we're really excited uh, to announce, announce this on Twitter, uh, that we are giving away a pass to Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. So, you know, that the official Star Wars convention licensed by Lucasfilm uh, happening this April 16th to 19th, 2015, we have secured a pass and we are happy to say that one lucky Supergirl TV talk listener will get a chance to uh, to, to grab that pass, go to Anaheim and, and be uh, on the ground for four days at Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. Super, super excited uh, to be able to give this away. All you have to do is visit SupergirlTVTalk.com and uh, check out our, uh, we have a post about it, a blog post, says sweepstakes, when it passes to uh, Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. All you have to do is leave an iTunes review for the show, uh, hopefully a good one, uh, but leave us leave us a review, uh, and then fill out the, the little sweepstakes form there on, on our site. And uh, just all we need is, you know, your name and, and your iTunes name so that we know, you know, that you wrote the review. And uh, and and that's basically it. An email address so we can email you if you win. Uh, and that's all it takes. Leave the review, fill out the form, and you're entered in the sweepstakes. And we will be announcing the winner uh, initially on Twitter on March 25th. So it leaves you just a few days to enter. So enter now. Enter while you're listening as soon as you can. Uh, we're super, super excited about this. I am really, really happy we're able to get this going. So Oh, yeah. This uh, is awesome. Yeah. Even so, better if you live in that area, actually. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> but but please uh, take advantage of the opportunity. It's a limited time opportunity. You're not going to get to go to something like this for free um, very often. So check it out. We're super excited about that. Super Indeed. excited. You might we, oh, my goodness. Frank, you're so punny. I'm quite punny. You are quite punny. Indeed, you are. Okay, next up, uh, we have our interview with the one, the only, Sterling Gates. Is he Sterling? He is, in fact. Does he open Sterling the Sterling flood- Silver Gates. He is Sterling. He is Silver. Does he open the floodgates of information oh. on his arc on Superman uh, a couple Superman. years ago? He in does indeed. I make none of these puns during the actual interview, <laughs> but they have been in my head 
four days. <laughs> <laughs> we have some chill. Yeah, right. Yeah, some. <laughs> we're super cool while talking to him, but in the in the midst of everything else, we're like, oh my god, Sterling Gates. Oh my god, yeah, you were like, yeah. he was. Sterling Gates was writing comic, like he was beginning his comic career at DC Comics, just a little bit before I, just a little bit before I was jumping into comics, or a little bit after, I should say. A little after. Um, yeah, uh, and so he's he's written stuff for the Green Lantern Corps, Justice League of America, um, and the new uh, DC, uh, New 52, Hawk and Dove, right. Vibe, Forever Evil Argus, Stormwatch. He's been all over the map, DC, for a number of years now. Um, he's worked with guys like Jeff Johns, James Robinson, Greg Rucka. This is, he is primo. He's super awesome. He's super nice. He's a great writer. Um, and he is here to talk to us about his, his run on Supergirl, which is widely considered to be, uh, one of the best runs on Supergirl. The book has seen since the bronze age, yeah. um, it really encapsulates everything that people really love about Kara. And Frank and I speculate really that, like a lot of the show could pull from stuff from his run. It's that could good. Happen. It could, could happen. happen. We don't know, but we'll love to see. But here's Sterling uh, talking to Frank and myself. Here you go. Hi, welcome to Supergirl TV Talk. We're sitting here with Sterling Gates. How are you, sir? Doing well. How are you? Oh, just fine. Just fine. You know, pleasure sir. to have you on the show. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, a, Absolutely. it's a nice, nice day here in Los Angeles. I, I uh, have the windows open and. Wind is coming through. It's it's great. It's a good day. Wow! So you're just rubbing it in right from the start. Yeah, huh? yeah. You're just yeah. Gonna... Seventy-five degrees right now. Wow. It's sunny. Wow. Clear skies. Clear skies. How's your coast? <clears throat> frozen. Uh, <laughs> the coast is reverse that seventy-five. Frozen. Reverse that seventy-five and subtract about thirty from it, yeah. and and that's that's our coast right now. So. Well, I don't want to rub it in, but I just did. So. No, that's fine. I'm just going to yeah. live vicariously through you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, well listen, how, you know, how's it going? <laughs> it's going great. It's going great. You know, Supergirl is on the horizon and uh and we're just thrilled to have you here. We both just reread your your uh arc, your your several years that you were writing the title uh for DC and then and then you know, kind of spinning that out into World of New Krypton and and uh Reign of the Superman and all all of that uh all that stuff. We're 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 energized by you it. You mean so. you mean War of the Superman? War of the Superman. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Rain was Rain was Rain like was, the Superboy and Steel. That's right. That Steel and all the. I uh, have I have a giant Reign of the Superman poster in my office. Which that's one, one that's of my awesome. favorite storylines. Um, so I, sp- I I spent a few years trying to collect all four of the issues that had the pullout posters in them for the four different Supermen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I bought I bought those live. Like I bought them off, off uh, this. So great. I, I love that. Like Death and Return of Superman is one of my all-time favorite Same. comics, comics Same. sagas. Um, and it, you know, it was so shocking when when uh, Cyborg Superman turned out to be a villain. Spoiler uh, he's alert! My, he's my favorite. Spoiler alert for a Cyborg Superman is for my a thirty-year-old yep. story. Here's a spoiler: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Cyborg Superman is actually a villain. Uh, but the cover of him like blowing through the Eradicator. Oh. Um, is is one of the most like memorable comic covers of my of my lifetime. Um, Absolutely, as a fan, as a young fan, I was uh, I was like ten or eleven or twelve. I was it's somewhere in that perfect range where all comics are brand new and exciting. Yes, the sweet spot. Um, yep, right. And that story was so captivating, and it was the first time that I remember comics being mainstream news. So I could mm-hmm. go to the the supermarket and like the newspaper next to the comic stand had. 
Right. Superman dies written across as a headline, written across the, the covers a headline. And I thought that was so cool and so exciting. And then the four replacement Superman showed up and, and each one was in their own book and they had individual personalities and they had individual um, wants and goals and, and needs. And then all those stories came crashing together and I was I was hooked. I was super hooked, not to pun, but like I was <laughs> yeah. super pun into that. Away. Pun away. I was yeah. super into that storyline, and I was really like it, that was a really great time for I think the super books and for for me as a young young fan. Yeah, it's oh. always the crossover event that seems to hook hook the young reader because I was the same. Frank and I were the same, and but you know you can you have all the you have a lot of fans who are like oh another crossover oh my goodness no I can't deal but then. You go to the ten-year-old self, and like that's what gets you in. It's everybody on the same page, and what's going on? Who's that? I don't know. I don't care. This is awesome. <laughs> right. I mean, a, a lot of guys cite Crisis on Infinite Earths as their yep. first big mm-hmm. crossover, and, and that's the thing that got them really excited about the DC universe. Part of it is um, the use of characters and having all the characters that that exist in that universe thrown together in one larger larger story that makes the world and universe feel epic and mm-hmm. feel big, you know, like we want to see Spider-Man team up with the Avengers, you know, like we, we, we get off on those moments. We enjoy amazing Spider-Man one and two or, or whatever Spider-Man movie you like. But like, if I can see Captain America and Spider-Man square off, like that is exciting to me. And, and to do it in, in the context of something big, like civil war or crisis or, or something like that, like, you can drop in from a creative side, you can drop in characters with their own viewpoints that maybe you spark an interest in that character that people didn't have before, you know, and, and, and Jeff Johns is really good at that and using mm-hmm. characters in crossovers correctly. And I put that in air quotes correctly, but doing it in <laughs> such a way that, um, such a way that excites you to want to read other stories about those characters. And that's, that's a testament to his writing and how he, how he constructs crossover stuff. And now we've we've gone off on this really long tangent. No, no, I I really, (laughs) you know, because Blackest Night and Infinite Crisis, I mean, he's really good at doing crossover, big, big crossover stuff. True. Um, Infinite Crisis is what got me hooked into comics full time. Sure. Uh, Yeah, I was, oh my God, how old was I? I don't know. By by the way, that was like 10 years ago. I know. I know. I know. (laughs) Don't remind us. Isn't that that one of those like? Uh, one of those, I I distinctly remember I got out of class and drove to. Um, do you guys have Hastings? Is that a franchise? They're like they're a sort of broad media store. They sell DVDs and books and okay, uh, but okay. they also sell comics. Um, and I went I went from class to Hastings and bought Infinite Crisis one and sat in the parking lot outside. And I remember getting the last page where here comes Golden Age Superman and Superboy Prime yes. and just screaming, just screaming <laughs> at my, uh, holy smokes, this is an amazing, but no, I, I, he's just, he's really, he's a, for my money, he's a great writer and he's really good at, at character and using characters in the, the DC universe in, in a really exciting way that makes me want to read more stories with those characters. Um, and now again, we've gone off on this really weird tangent and well, gone I- you know, I don't think it's really a tangent because what you're showing here is that you are you're you know you're a fan. Like you're you're more than just a creator. You are you are a fan through and through. And and I'd kind of like to to take it back a step and kind of ask you how you got started. Your love of superheroes, your love your love of comics. Where did it start and and where did it all come from? Uh, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, 
um, which is a small city in the middle of the map of America. Um, there's <laughs> not a lot, to be. there's not a lot to do there. Um, and as a kid, my dad owned like, uh, well, my dad started a used bookstore and then that bookstore morphed into a comic book store. Nice. Um, so from age nine to about 18, I was living in, in a house full of back issues. That's um, awesome. It is, but at the same time, it can get really frustrating when you want to have friends over and you have to move long boxes out of the living room so that your friends can come sit down. Um, <laughs> when you said they were everywhere, they were they literally were everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, I mean, like it, it, it varied depending on because he was constantly buying new stock and like um, you know stores would go out of business and he would just buy all of their back stock and so wow. suddenly like the dining room would just be long boxes of valiant of valiant books you know um but like we had a store during the speculator sweet spot the speculator boom in the 90s and so right. i uh, i i grew up in an environment that was very influenced by sup- the by superhero comics and by um how well or how badly the superhero market was doing mm-hmm. um so they for most of my life as a kid through my teenage years, comics were a part of it. Now I dropped out of being a fan. Like I loved comics uh, until I was about 13. And then I discovered that if I played guitar, girls would talk to me. And so (laughs) I threw my life, like I I threw myself into learning guitar and playing guitar um, and became a, a practicing musician and, and, like six hours a day practicing and and I was in bands and did the whole the whole bit um and then my father passed away in 98 and we decided to sell the store and when you're a teenager and you experience a loss of that magnitude you look for things that you the person did um that mm-hmm. that you can kind of maybe latch onto or glom onto and it helps you to identify with them. And, you know, for that, for my father, it was Silver Age comics. Like he was really into Silver Age books. Um, and so I started going through the Silver Age collection he had cultivated and curated at the store um, because we were getting rid of everything wholesale. I mean, we were, we were selling long boxes of books for like a dollar. Like mom, wow. mom just, mom wanted it gone. Mm-hmm. And to her credit, she was deep in the throes of grief, and, and I totally get that. But looking back, it's like, God, like, what was in some of those boxes? Um, right. but, I, but I started going through the Silver Age stuff, and I found a bunch of Flash issues that I really liked. Um, and then that led me to the modern Flash stuff that was coming out then, which was Mark Wade's Flash Run. And so much about Wade's Flash Run is about the idea of legacy and about the idea of there being a Flash mantle that mm-hmm. is passed on when someone passes away. And, like, I basically, like, Wally West sort of became my character to help me process the grief of losing my father. So he became the comic character that I would, like, I, I set out to buy every Wally West appearance ever. Um, and he became my character in a lot of ways. I mean, we, we as fans take ownership of characters and we, you know, we want those characters to, to succeed and, and we want to follow them and follow their journey. And, and Wally just hit me at a point where I needed someone to walk me through understanding the idea of 
loss and processing grief and understanding how to shoulder a mantle once that person is gone. And so that Barry Wally relationship became very emblematic to me because it was about a father son dynamic, which is what I no longer had with my father because he he was gone. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that led me back into superhero books. From there, I discovered Starman, which again is about legacy and fathers and sons. Talking um, about James Robinson's run on Starman. Yes, yes, yep. yes, yes, yes. Jack Knight, Starman. Mm-hmm. Yep, um, that's great. Great. Story. And that that became the book that my brother and I read obsessively. Um, that led me to Morrison's JLA. Uh, that led me to. Uh, buying Justice League in its entirety, trying to collect all the all of Justice League. That and then Grant took me to X Men when he did New X Men, and that opened the Marvel universe back up for me because I, I had a passing familiarity. Because again, like I, when I was a kid, I was yeah. ten years old, and I was like, "Oh, I want to read the complete run of Power Man and Iron Fist." And I'd go to the garage and <laughs> I would dig through long boxes and pull out Power Man and Iron Fist issues, and that would be what I read that week. Wow. Um, and so, but I dropped out. And when you drop out, like you, you, you just lose the, the, those memories and you lose that knowledge. But then Grant was doing something really interesting with X Men, and the X Men movie had just come out. That's right. That's when I started reading X Men too. Right at right the, the end of the run, right before Grant's run, and then onward from there. And that just pulled me back back into superhero books in a big way. And then I was in college, and I. When you're 20 years old, you're like, I don't want to read superheroes because that's kids stuff. And so you start getting into Love and Rockets and you start getting into, mm-hmm. for me, for me, there was a, a formative book called Blankets. Oh, um, that, that book is fantastic. Yeah. I love that book. So I love good. that book so a lot. Good. I, I teach it. I, I'm a teacher and I teach a graphic novel class and that's one of the books I use actually. Great. It's great. Yeah, it's um, awesome. I used it as the basis for my college senior thesis project. Um, was an autobiographical comic that I wrote and drew and blankets was one of the main things that I cited, uh, to kind of convince me. Let me drop back. So I went to college and I went to art school Mm -hmm. and I I was going to, I wanted to draw comics. Like that was what I wanted to do. Uh, there wasn't really a degree that would facilitate that at Mm -hmm. the university of Oklahoma, but they had a film program and the advisor of the film program, who's a wonderful woman named Heidi Mao, basically said, you can do comics all you want, draw them all day long, but like, I want you to study the basics of film. And then when I came to my senior capstone meeting, I said, I want to do a comic. And she said, great, but you have to write a justification for the board explaining why you're not making a student film capstone and explain how it's the same conceptually uh, because you're just opposing images to tell a story. Right. How, how conceptually it's the same thing. You're just doing it in a different medium. Hmm. Um, and so blankets and understanding comics and a couple other uh, Eisner's sequential art book and a couple mm-hmm. other texts, they became my main uh, sources that I cited as to why I wanted to do a comic for my film degree. Hmm. Um, and I wrote and drew that book and, and they gave me a degree and, and, I felt like, well, finally, finally, comics are coming in handy. Having that. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I moved to Los Angeles, and and uh, through a very long sequence of events, I ended up working on a TV show with Jeff Johns. Is that Blade? Um, it was Blade the series. That's mm-hmm. right. Canceled way too soon. Yeah, it was. Um, Before it's series. 
Mm-hmm. That was a really fun gig. But I, like I was the writer's room PA, so I was going to get coffee and collating scripts. And yep. right. I mean, like I was, the, it was the lowest rung on that ladder. Yeah. Um, and from that job, we knew we were being canceled and Jeff called me on a Sunday and said, Hey, I'm writing and directing a feature film. Um, I need a personal assistant. Would you be interested in that job? Uh, and I was like, well, you're one of my writing heroes. Of course I would like to come (laughs) work for you as your assistant. Um, and then, uh, about a year into that, I was, um, I, I moved to LA cause I wanted to write television. That was my goal. Right. Okay. Um, and so I was taking all these classes at UCLA on TV writing and, and writing, you know, like a spec episode of supernatural and mm-hmm. just stuff. Uh, and then somewhere in there, Jeff made a joke about, it's a shame you don't want to write comics. And I was like, oh, well, weirdly, I would love to write comics. <laughs> Let me tell I, you about my history. Yeah, I used to do, I used to make comics in college and I was the cartoonist for our, our paper for a while in college and all this stuff. And he's like, oh, well, let me, you know, let me see one. And so I showed him my capstone, um, which was, again, this autobiographical comic about like making out with girls. Um <laughs> I, I, I'm not even joking. Like it, it, the the story opens with my first kiss, and then like we go from there, and it's the story of my first uh, relationship, um, and 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 how it started. It, it's a very like I mean, it's a story about me in a, as an eighth grader. Like right. Uh, but he really liked it and said, um, he said, well, if I train you, like like what if I you're taking classes with UCLA for for TV writing? What if I give you sort of a superhero writing class? Like, would, would that be something that interests you? And I, and uh-huh. what if I trained you to write comics, write superhero comics in the way that I do it? Wow. And I was like, uh, absolutely. Like you're the master. Like I, I will apprentice. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> um, and so I spent a year. Yeah. About a year writing for him, just writing scripts that no one ever saw writing pitches. No one ever saw, like learning how to write superheroes and think in not the same way because we're different people, but like to mm-hmm. think more of mainstream comic writing, like think about how to do that and finding strengths and weaknesses. And, and I mean, it was, it was basically a, an apprenticeship um, under Jeff. And then he introduced me to one of his editors and, mm-hmm. um, when he felt that I was ready and then they asked me to pitch them stories and I did. And then, um, they bought a story and that was, that became my first professionally published comic. Nice. What was the story? Um, it's called fear is a baby's cry. Um, right. it's a Sinestro core story about a Sinestro core member named crib who focuses on attacking green lanterns that have infants. And so hmm. she'll, she'll, oh, that is terrifying. Inv- Yeah, she'll she'll invade their home and threaten their infant to inspire fear. And then once fear takes hold of a Green Lantern, Uh, they can't use their ring and Kraid kills them. And then she has this um, carapace on her back that opens up and she puts the baby into the carapace and it closes and there's all these other babies inside. And um, it's super, it's a super creepy design. It's an Ethan Van Skyver design. Um, But she was just a, she was just a character in Sinestro Corps, special one she was just a character in the big group shot mm-hmm. um and i i came up with that orphans of the green lantern Corps thing and they bought it and that and that became my first professionally published work 
Um, from that, um, Adam Schla editors Adam Schlagman and Eddie Briganza hired me to write um, a Green Lantern guidebook, which is essentially um, make a list of every Green Lantern right. from now, from then, <laughs> like from the 40s until then, 2007, um, and let's make a book about about them and that ended up becoming uh, Green Lantern and Sinestro Corps Secret Files. Yep. But that that took six months of my life. Wow. Um, Just that one book. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it's it's I'm I'm happy with the work. I, I we, we commissioned all, a ton of artists to do all this amazing artwork for it that that ends up kind of becoming postage stamp sized, unfortunately. Right. Um, because there's so many there's so many Green Lanterns, and we only had like sixty pages or something. Mm. Um, and so, but we, but basically I defined everyone's first appearance and, uh, their names and what sector they're from or decide what sector they're from. Right. And then, and then create backstories if they don't have backstories, connect them to other green lanterns. Um, and Jeff oversaw all of that work, but, but it was basically six months. I would, when I wasn't doing stuff for the feature we were working on. I was going through back issues of Green Lantern and figuring out who characters were um, or making up backstories for these guys. Uh, and that was, it was a long process, but I think that book is one of the coolest things I've ever worked on. Um, so are you like a kid in a candy shop at yeah. this point? Like, Sure. I, I mean, like you're commissioned by DC to write a, a Green Lantern guidebook and like, oh, okay. And I'm going through Jeff Johns's Green Lantern collection to find all this information. Cool. Yeah. Like, Wow, that's so and, cool. But then on top of all that, I have a day job with him and we're like he's writing and directing this feature film and we're doing like animatics for it and we're getting storyboards and like all this stuff. So like it was like I was tired. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. I was I was tired a lot. Um because it was and it was a really great time in my life and a really like I really enjoyed doing that work and I really I mean, anytime I get to work with Jeff, I'm so happy because he's so um, electrifying to work with. Like he's mm -hmm. he's just he's so smart, and he has such a a love for for the DC universe and a love for these characters, and it comes through in everything he does. Um, and w you, when you work with him, it's just like you he ups your game basically because he's so inspiring. Mm -hmm. um, and still today, whenever I get to work with him, I, I find it so just just exciting to, to be in a room with him and break stories and 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 work with him. He's just a, he's such a cool guy, and and I'm I'm so thankful that like he helped me get a foothold in this industry and and trained me, and and he still we still work together on things. That's really awesome. That's so that's the, awesome. that's the long version. Um, that's how we like it here. Of yeah. how I how I got started in professional comics was I made some stuff they Jeff liked it and he took me under his wing and trained me as, as his apprentice essentially that's, that's so great. cool who gets to say stuff like I know that? right <laughs> that's, very that's, reminiscent you probably hear this a lot but very reminiscent of of Jeff's own story with Richard Donner mm -hmm. yeah yeah I yeah. I have heard a lot about Richard. the first time I met Richard Donner uh Jeff had just hired me as his, as his assistant I don't know like six months prior uh, and, and we went to a screening of Superman 2, the Donner Cut. Donner uh, Cut, nice, nice. Cool. And it was the first time it had ever been shown publicly, and so D Dick was there, and, and mm -hmm. 
Jeff marches me up to Dick and he's like, Hey Dick, this is my assistant Sterling. And, and Dick like grabs my hand and shakes it. And Richard Donner is a large guy. Like he's like six foot three mm. and I'm like five foot 10. And so he's just like towering over me. And he's just like, I've heard so much about you. You're going to be a big deal someday. Huh? And and I burst into tears. Because <laughs> 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 Richard Donner is one of the all-time great Hollywood directors, and he's directed some of my all-time favorite, favorite. Like, my first memory is Goonies. Um, oh, wow. That's, like my, first, that's cool. That's a good first memory. Well, well uh, yes and no. Like, if you remember Goonies, it opens with the logo. <laughs> and then we zoom in on the skull. Right, um, and so my first memory is this skull flying towards me. Oh my god! <laughs> which I think sets the tone for a lot of my work. Uh, a lot of so skulls. yeah. So, yeah. so it, I, I, I'm you know I'm thankful every day for that relationship, and I'm I'm thankful for everything Jeff has done for me. And I I wouldn't we wouldn't be having this conversation if he hadn't agreed to to take me under his wing and really um, help me both as a creative person and as a writer and, and as a professional, as a comics professional, like it's to his credit that, that, um, that we're even chatting about Supergirl. So. Was it, so when it comes to, when it comes time for you to be put on the book, Supergirl, um, how involved was that all you? Was that some of Jeff? How does that, how does that all turn out for you? Um, well, I like that character a lot. I mm-hmm. like that character. I'm going to speak in past tense. Like before I did any work, I really liked that character. And Jeff and James were doing, they had plans to do new Krypton. Okay. And I loved hearing about their plans and um, said to Jeff at lunch, like, is Supergirl a character that you're interested in involving? And if so, um, can, what, can I pitch something for that, um, for that book? And he was like, would you want to write that book? And I'm like, of course, like she's one of my top, uh, at that point, probably top 10 favorite characters. Mm. Um, and, and like all seventies and eighties, Supergirl, like I loved crisis. Like I, I loved daring new adventures, like that version of Supergirl. I love yeah. Right. I never, I never got into Peter David stuff mm-hmm. back then. Like, and it's, it's, it's nothing against that stuff. It's all great. I've read it now, but like, it just wasn't something I liked right. um, back then when it was live, like when it was coming out. Yeah. <laughs> um, kind of like blade. Everyone appreciates it's af- afterward. Right. Right. Uh, and, and so he said, okay, well, um, what would you write for an issue? And I said, I, I don't know. Let me think about it. And he goes, well, okay, we'll take the weekend and, um, you know, come back and, and tell me what your first story would be. Um, and so I took the weekend and I wrote, no, actually, that's not true. I wrote an outline and I gave it to him and he's like, well, I like this and this. You should focus in on this idea and, and that should be part of your for like like your spec script mm-hmm. okay um yeah. and that one idea was cat grant writing why the world doesn't need supergirl uh-huh. uh, okay and so i went home and over the weekend i wrote that issue like like issue 34 my first issue is essentially mm-hmm. with some changes that had to be made for for the sake of it but that is the spec issue that i wrote um and then i wrote a, a pitch a series pitch that um, most of the main ideas made it into 
into the, the final version of the run or whatever. Um, and, and I, I, on Monday morning, Jeff was like, so how'd it go? And I'm like, well, uh, I'll have a script on, on your desk by lunch. Um, and I gave him the script and, and he came back and was like, I, it's really interesting. Let me talk to James about it and, and see what he thinks. And mm-hmm. then I, I need to talk to the super editors and see if they're looking for a guy, if they're looking for someone to take over this book or, or what. Um, about and, how far in advance from publication, like from writing this to publishing issue 34, are you like how many months apart, years, anything eight, like that? Uh, eight months. Eight months. Okay. Okay. This was like April-ish. And I think, I think, uh, uh, it might have been March and, and my first issue came out in October of that year. So, so roughly that far. Wow. Um, so I, I met with Jeff and James, which was intimidating because I'd never met James Robinson. And again, Starman was a formative right. experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was, and I was 25, 26. And, and these are guys that I like, well, I'm at 27. How old am I now? Minus, okay, that was seven, <laughs> that was seven years hard. ago. Yeah, I think I was 26. Um, okay. And these are guys like I you know, put on a pedestal. They're, they're some of my favorite mm-hmm. comic creators sure. and, and they're people that I idolized when I was 20. Um, and so I met with James and it, it was really like weird and awkward and um, I didn't know what to make of him. And uh, he was in a really weird time in his life and, and he, he didn't really, I didn't feel like he was listening to me until I said the phrase Supergirl revenge squad. Um, and he was like, and he said the what? And I'm like, Oh yeah, I want to, I want to create the Supergirl revenge squad. You guys are going to do Superwoman, And then I want to put this guy on it and this guy, and, and I want to introduce this character. And he's like, well, that is an interesting idea, young man. And I'm like, Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, and so they talked to their editors who, who, um, at that point, the, the editors were Nachi Castro and, and Matt Idelson. Right. Mm-hmm. And they talked to them, and it started that ball rolling. And um, Idelson called me about a week later and said, hey, um, I read your script. I read your, your pitch. I think it's really great. Um, is this something you want to do? Is this something you want to do? And I'm like, absolutely. And he's like, okay, well, issue 34 will be your first. And then the next issue is new Krypton part three. So hope you can work with Jeff and James. All right. Wow. Uh, And I'm like, of course I, I, I'm that guy's assistant. Like I see him all the time, (laughs) like, and not knowing what I was in for, because it's, it was just a, it's a different thing. Like when you work for Jeff versus working with Jeff, you know? Right. Um, and they put me through my paces. They put me through my paces pretty hard. Like the second, my second issue, uh, was, sort of redefining Supergirl's secret origin, um, which was tough because you're looking at 35 issues of different creative teams having different takes on her origin. Right. Um, and some, some were better than others and some were not my favorite. Like I'm, I'm not here to damn Caesar or whatever, but like there are versions that I, thought were interesting and I wanted to play up aspects that I liked, but I also wanted to bring everything in line with, with the take on new Krypton and with having, with having Kara's parents alive again. Um, and in order to have Kara's parents be alive, it sort of automatically discarded a lot of 
the secret origins that we'd had for that character before, like the crystal spikes and the killing mm-hmm. her classmates, like yeah. all that stuff goes away if her parents are actually alive. Right. So how do we redefine that secret origin and make all of those things align um, and clean it up so it still has elements of the classic Silver Age origin, which has existed for 70 years and, and 60 years. Like, like we should keep that because it's been successful for this long, but we should also at least acknowledge those stories because I don't want, I never want to be the guy that says, well, none of that, none of that stuff happened because I said so. Like, that's not my goal. That's not my job. Yeah. As a, as a shared universe comic creator, that's not my job. Right. Um, so it was Morrison of you. It was all, trying yeah. trying to find a way to make all of those origins work in some capacity mm-hmm. so that readers didn't feel like we were discounting the three years of their life they'd already invested in this version of the character. Right. right. But doing it in such a way that would offer us new platforms for storytelling and and hopefully help the character now um, and help uh, build her world more. You know, like I, I don't want to. I'm one of my first things I ever wrote was this one shot um, starring Prometheus, and I killed mm-hmm. a bunch of characters in it. And I still feel bad about killing some of those characters because it was taking taking those stories away in a really in a way that I that I regret now. And at mm-hmm. the time, it was well. Here's the assignment. This is what you have to do. And I I get it. And I but if I had those stories to write now, I'd do it differently. And I'd be more mindful of, uh, you know, not shutting the door on any one character f- just for the sake of it. Right. Um, so Supergirl, like, it, it was important to me to reference those previous secret origins and put them in a context that would allow us to move forward cleanly um, while at the same time, like, giving us new, new, f- new but familiar version of her origin um and tying it back into brainiac which jeff had already set up in superman brainiac Mm -hmm. and and new krypton what you know brainiac is is the force behind a lot of the events of new krypton can we tie supergirl's origin into those elements while at the same time excuse me uh while at the same time making making sure that like the crystal spike thing doesn't completely go away or right and people have accused me of hand waving and it's like uh it's not really hand waving so much as me really carefully considering what works and what doesn't work and deciding it's more important to have a positive have a positive secret origin for our character and not oh you were going to murder all of your classmates. Right. <laughs> right. Like, and in the post nine 11 world, besides school shootings and this and, and a, that, and the other thing yeah, in a post Columbine, yeah. like I was a right, teenager right, during right, Columbine, right. like Columbine happened my senior year of high school and, wow. and it was terrifying. And, and I, I didn't, that origin for me never quite worked. And I never felt like it was not that it's the wrong take. I just didn't like that take. Sure. Right, but well, I wanted, I, but I wanted to be sure acknowledge. Well, that happened in some capacity. It was kryptonite poisoning. She hallucinated those events right. because we don't fully understand what kryptonite poisoning does to a Kryptonian's physiology or psychology. Mm-hmm. And so, 
you know, the first thing we, we tackled, Jamal and I tackled was, can we do this and, and not make it hokey? <laughs> um, but it. Make, and so we drew from Superman two, like we, we did the crystal chamber thing from Superman two and we put her in it and we pulled all the kryptonite out of her system and restored her previously lost or manipulated memories and, and, now those stories exist for that time period, but they're not affecting us in context of New Krypton. No, it was an, it was an excellent idea. It doesn't uh, doesn't really offend anybody who loves that stuff, and it gives the character new breath and growth to run and be free and become a whole person without this weight upon her. It was it's good. Well, and then we gave more. Then we gave her a different weight because we we um, because her father gets killed. Sure, and, and, right. And, and then that changes her relationship with humanity and, mm-hmm. and that changes her relationship to the Kryptonians and to her, to her mother. And, and, and that's where we started really digging in on this stuff. Right. Um, because that, that story and that event allowed me to take her in a, a very interesting, I feel a very interesting direction um, and make her unsure of where she fit in within these two worlds. Right. She, she grew up a Kryptonian, but she spent X number of years on Earth as an as essentially an immigrant, and now she's not really sure if she wants to be Kryptonian because wow, they have some wacky ideas, and she's not sure if she wants to be human because man, they one of them just slaughtered her father in front of her for no real reason other than he existed, mm-hmm. um, and so it, it was just bouncing her back and forth across the across that entire story. So you're never really sure where she's going to side, um, right? Yeah. Well, and, and all her support, all the supporting cast that you had around her was all—they were also three-dimensional. That it wasn't just like, oh, our moms—we don't like her, you know. So she has these moments of being truly compassionate and truly motherly, but at the same time, she's the staunch leader who's this and regimented that and that, and trying to teach her daughter a lesson. So as a reader, you're like, you don't you don't even know where you want her to end up. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and I mean, Allura, I, I find Allura fascinating and I'm mm-hmm. sad. Um, th- there was a time in my life where I was very sad that I wasn't writing that Allura Kara relationship anymore because I, uh, I, I find, I mean, it's rare for, for comics to tackle the relation. It's, it's almost always fathers and sons. Mm-hmm. And so for us to do a book, whose primary relationship was a mother daughter, very strained yet at times, as you said, very compassionate and very motherly, but, but a lot of the time strained because of decisions Allura makes on a leader level mm-hmm. that affect her relationship with her daughter as a parent. Um, most of Allura's big decisions came because, well, I'm leading hundred thousand people, I have to make this decision because of what's best for new Krypton. And unfortunately that will, that affects my relationship with my daughter because she either doesn't know why I make this decision or or I can't tell her because it's a state secret or, Mm. or I can't tell her because she'll go against me because she's been around these people so long, she might side with them. Like right. if she know if she knows Reactron is alive in the depths in the bowels of New Krypton, she's gonna have a real problem with that. But mm-hmm. I need Reactron because I need to find out what he knows before 
the humans make their move against New Krypton. So it was always the idea of having like this mother central mother daughter conflict that is not because of that's not primarily because of the mother daughter relationship. It's mm-hmm. because her mother has this leadership role that she has to live up to. Right. That and just as Supergirl has this role that she has to live up to by having that super S on her chest, like mm-hmm. like humanity expects a certain type of person to wear that Superman S like Superman has set the bar. Right. So Su- Supergirl is always trying to attain that level of responsibility. And her mom's always trying to be responsible toward the planet. And so instant conflict between the both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where we got a lot of really great conflict between the both of them. Quick pause to tell you about our sponsor for this episode. Uh, our sponsor this week is Supergirl.tv. Uh, Supergirl.tv is it's it's my favorite site for uh, Supergirl TV news. Um, it's uh, it's like a destination for the news, rumors, um, even some spoilers if you're into that uh, for the uh, the CBS show. Uh, you can hear all about you know who's going to be on the show, actors, casting news. It's where we get a lot of the news for our podcast. But there is so much going on there, uh, you know, stuff that we can't we can't possibly cover here. The guys over there are doing a, a great great job. Um, and best of all, Supergirl.tv is advertisement free, so you can go over there, you get an ad free experience, get all the uh, all the news without all the uh, the cruft. Uh, they're they're it's by fans for fans. It's a labor of love. Uh, it's open to all fans. Hang out. There's a chat uh, if you want to uh, engage with people there. There's polls. There's all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, it's it's really a great site. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of it. I was a fan of it. Uh, you know, pretty much as soon as we started this podcast, it, it kind of came into the light and and uh, quickly, you know, found that it was a a top source, one of the top sources for uh, Supergirl news. So super excited to have them uh, be sponsoring the podcast thanks so much to supergirl.tv for making supergirl tv talk possible and now back to our interview with sterling gates allura was such a polarizing character uh and i know a lot of people in fact you know before we before we went live here uh, i kind of turned to twitter and asked if anybody had any questions and that was one of the questions we received so you covered that one uh <laughs> sort of to hear cool. more about the the cara Alora um, relationship. It's it's really it's really interesting to hear you say that because a, a theme that really you, you seem to want to get across was was these strong female characters. You know, Kara and Alora, obviously, but but you know, Cat and Lana and and that was definitely something. Lois, that, Lois, Lois, and Lucy, of course, Lois and Lucy, of course. You know, so yeah. that was definitely a a, a major theme. So clearly that was important to you. I, I wanted to do essentially the super version of Birds of Prey where mm, yeah. we okay. are an all-female led – and I didn't tell anybody. Like I didn't, I, didn't, <laughs> I, didn't like, I didn't make it a headline. I just said, okay, I, I want to do a female-led, almost primarily all-female cast super book mm-hmm. and explore that stuff and explore their relationships and explore – what their lives are like in context of Metropolis or New Krypton. Right. Um, and so my main characters really were like Kara, Alora, Lois, Lucy, Lana. Um, and then like side characters are like General Lane, mm-hmm. uh, Reactron, um, Inspector Henderson. 
So your right. side characters are the males, and yep. you you flip it. And know. they all have very minimal roles in the grand scheme of things. I mean, Reactron, he's he and Sam Lane blow up New Krypton again. Spoiler alert! Sorry, gang. Right. Um, <laughs> 2009, 2010 spoilers. Right. Guys. I mean, this yeah, this story is like six years old, so I, I figure if you wanted to read it, you probably have read it already. <laughs> yeah. But but it it was important to me to write a book that is just that is basically the super version of Birds of Prey. Um, mm. And again, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't do interviews about it. Like I just did it, and I am thankful that that um, our editors, uh, who who ended up being Will Moss and, and Matt Adelson, like they they worked really hard to protect a lot of our stories, um, and make sure that that we had the resources we needed to tell those stories in the best capacity that we could. Right. Uh, and and Jamal and I, Jamal and I are very thankful that we we did that that we were allowed to do that to this day because. You know, we we did a female-led super book for a while, and and I I think it's fairly successful. I, I your mileage may vary, but I'm I'm happy with the work that came out of it. And it, it was a book kind of unlike anything else in the on the market, save for maybe Birds of Prey. Right. Um, and I remember at the time it was you know everyone it was like the book everyone was talking about. You know, really? You, you yeah, man. You yeah, and Jamal, it was. Yeah, <laughs> was. Were, it was the book. I mean, like at the time I was doing a couple other podcasts and, and guesting on my friend's pod, you know, comic book podcast a lot. And yours was the book everyone was talking about. Cool. I yeah, wish I'd known. Good. I wish I'd known that then. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's great. I, I had no idea. Like, I mean, a lot of the time you just put your head down and sure and do the work and hope it comes out, comes out successfully. Um, you know, and we, and we we went on to do, uh, I think, some pretty cool stories. Like, I, I actually really like Lana Lang, Insect Queen. Like, I, yes, I, yes, that was good. Um, that, <laughs> that was super was really fun. Good. And um, you know, working with Rucka on that crossover, Friends and Fugitives crossover, was super fun. Yeah, because um, Greg is so smart. I mean, you want to talk about smart storytellers? Greg is great. Um, and we just did this. We did this crossover with Action Comics and. Um, yeah, it was, it was a fun, like all of new Krypton was a really fun time in my life and a really fun time in my career. Um, and then, you know, and then Reactron detonated and new Krypton went away. Right. Um, right. Unfortunately. Do you ever like look back and think like, oh, that would have been a fun story to, to write, you know, uh, sure. during that time? You know, I, I, we did one more story after we did, well, we did two more stories after new Krypton and, and it was Bizarro Girl and then Dollmaker. Right. Um, but I, I mean, I think I've said on Twitter or like in interviews, like we had stories, I had another 30 issues planned. Wow. Um, you know, we, we make a reference, we make a bunch of references to Supergirl dying and that was going to be Supergirl 75. Oh, um, Nice. Oh. To throw it back to the death of Superman, like we we're going to do, right? We were right. going to do death of Supergirl, and then, um, and, and if we could get clearance, I was going to try to do a thing with Peter David Supergirl and Allura teaming up in the spirit world to try to save to try to save Supergirl from this otherworldly wow. force. Oh, that's so cool! I want to um, read that. One. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, me too. <laughs> uh, but you know, like I. Plans change, like right. you, you know, you don't own those characters, and and they called one day and said, "Hey, you know, we we really appreciate what you've done. We're interested in going in a different direction." And 
oh, you know, that was fine. It, it happens, you know, sure. like no, no, no gig is forever. Um, but you know, there are still stories I would have loved to tell. I wanted to do an original graphic novel called what price love Supergirl, what price love. And it was going to be the story of, uh, her first human boyfriend and mm. how badly that goes. And I wanted <laughs> to do it and I wanted to do it as an original graphic novel, like the blankets model of what happens if you tell a self-contained story and just sell it as a graphic novel mm-hmm. that, yeah, it's mostly drama, but there's also superpowers throughout, mm-hmm. um, could we do that? And is there a market for that? And, um, so yeah, there's tons, there's tons of stories that I, I I would have liked to have gotten to, but I'm very, very happy with the 30, 30 issues, uh, that we did. And, and, you know, and like last stand of new Krypton for my money is such a cool crossover. Like we got to have the Legion of superheroes fight Brainiac and that's Mm -hmm. awesome. Always a good time. Oh yeah. and War of the Superman is a is a slam bang huge Superman centric Superman and Supergirl centric climactic battle. Um, it is not the climax that we always thought we would have, but it's it's pretty good, I think, for for the um, for what we for what we did. So you say it's it's not what you thought you had. What was the original intention? Uh, more more issues longer period of time. If yeah. you'll remember like that, that was free comic book day. And then I we, do. Yeah. Yep. And then we had five weeks in that may. So it was like a five issue. It's basically yes. a six issue story. Right. Um, we had talked about making it the summer event and it would start on new comic book day and end in the fall. Um, okay. Oh, okay. And, and we like expanding out the time frame and expanding out the, and, and, and maybe doing crossovers with books, like using, using that Sinestro core model where maybe you cross over into some books, maybe you don't. Yep. Right. Um, but we talked a lot about it and, and finally we like we came to the point where it was more valuable to us to to blow it up and not to make a pun, but to blow it up and do it as fast as possible. <laughs> um and, and just like hammer people with the speed and the ferocity of what became called the hundred minute war, where Crypt, New Krypton attacks and lays waste to a lot of the world. Um and then Superman's in the middle of it trying to save everybody he can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, we were, it was, it was just, it was going to be a, and James will say this too, like it was going to be a very different story when we first pitched the finale. And then over time it just morphed into what it became, but I'm happy with the, uh, I'm very happy with the, the time I spent writing Supergirl. And I, I think we got some pretty, pretty great stories out of it. I definitely think we got some amazing Jamal Eigel art out of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Frank and I met him a couple of years ago. Um, we did, when yeah. he was thinking when he was still on the book, I if think I so. remember was it during New York comic con, I think so. Yeah. I think it might've been our first trip there. Might've been. Yeah. I don't remember, but um, yeah, his stuff is great. I've got a, I've got a sign poster from him. Um, he, he's the best man. And, yeah. and I, what I would love is I would challenge him uh just to, I, just because I always wanted to see what he could pull off, and so mm-hmm. he went to France with his family on vacation, and he came back, and I was like, "So how was France?" He's like, "Great," and I said, "Hey, is that a was that a work? Like, was that like a tax write off trip? Like, did, did you get any work done?" And he's like, "No," and I said, "Do you want to get? Like, do you want that to be a tax write off?" And he's like, "What do you mean?" And I said, "Well, uh, uh, you'll have a script in the next couple of days." Um, <laughs> And so 
the next issue opens with Nightwing, Flamebird, and Supergirl fighting yes. the French army in front of the Eiffel Tower. Yes. yes. Um, <laughs> and I made him draw like the a good chunk of the Eiffel Tower, yeah. which is not easy, and he was so pissed at me. <laughs> um, but when tax time yeah, came, I was going to say when he got, the, when he got that he check back in the mail. Super yeah. happy. You're welcome, buddy. <laughs> yeah, some research research trip, but uh, but no, I, I mean I would just challenge him to draw different stuff, and he would always just slam it out of the park. Like, oh yeah. One of the last issues we did was Christmas themed, and I was like, I, I want to do a double page spread of Supergirl flying through Metropolis, but then like there's um. Uh, what's it called? Garland uh, across the bottom, and there are little like circular bulbs hanging off the garland, and each like like circular panel is Supergirl fighting a different supervillain on Christmas Eve. Um, and so I did this long description of it, and I got it back. And for my money, it's one of the greatest double page spreads he ever drew. Like it's beautiful, um, beautiful. He's he's really good, and I, I was very fortunate to be paired with him, um, and we work really well together. Mm-hmm. Um, and worked really well together on that book, and and I'm I'm happy that people are still finding that that material and, and enjoying it. Uh, it means a lot to both of us that um, that people like it so much, even now. Yeah, he understands human emotions through body language oh, better he's than amazing. Yeah, it, yeah, that's my favorite comic art. Are always people that can. When people look like real people instead of posing this way and that way, which has right. its place for some stories, but uh, if if you can make a character do whatever you want without without words, with words, whatever, that's the team that I want to read. He did. Um, I, I did a scene pretty early on where Supergirl goes. Uh, Supergirl calls her mom mm-hmm. during during who is Superwoman. Supergirl calls Alora. Uh, and Alara's like, hey, so did you find Reactron? And she's like, no, I haven't. And Alara's like, get it together. Uh, yep. <laughs> or, or else. Yeah. And like Supergirl gets really like pissed and she smashes the communicator thing. And Lana comes in and Supergirl says, um, Lana's like, are you okay? What's wrong? And Supergirl says like, I feel, I feel awful for feeling this way. And Lana says, what do you mean? And Supergirl turns to her and her face is just like crumpled crying. And Mm -hmm. she says, I wish mom had died instead of dad. Um, and he drew so much emotion on her face. Like every time I looked at that, every time I look at that page now, it, it gets me teary eyed because she's, it's so powerful and he's so good at conveying emotion um, and, and some, uh, so I would write these heightened emotion scenes for him to draw knowing what, knowing he would excel at them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, the I, one that, he's just so good, man. He's, I, I just, I can't say enough good stuff about Jamal Eigel and his art. Right. The one that stuck out to me, uh, even more than the one that you mentioned was when Kara breaks it to Lois that she killed her sister. Spoilers. Oh yeah. Um, that, that whole double page spread of just uh, the moment to mo- moment to moment panels of going back and forth, back and forth, and uh, Lois's reaction is—it's on point for how you would expect Lois to react. Like, I'm—that's not enough evidence. I'm not done yet. You need to get out, but I'm. This isn't exactly there yet. Um, but Lois's body language, particularly in that scene, is almost encapsulates everything I know about Lois Lane, and it's all through what you and Jamal crafted together. I, I thought it was an important moment 
Um, so I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Like it's, it's gratifying. Yeah. It's gratifying to hear that all those, all these years later. Yeah, um, glad to help you out six years later, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, and like you said earlier, like people were talking about this book. I, I, I didn't know that. Like, I'm kind of glad I didn't know that. Cause I, I, like the most time, like the most thing that I ever heard about from anybody was the shorts, the, like putting boy Seriously? shorts on. Yeah. Like that's the thing that's people, the thing. that's the thing people talk to us the most about at the mm-hmm. time. And, and, and again, that was either for good or for ill. Some people were really happy we did that. And some people were really unhappy we did that. Um, that was, was that a, my, uh, a Matt Idelson thing or was that, or did that come from you? I, I memories again. I, I yeah. warned you at the top of this. This is seven years ago. Yeah, so you did. Memories, I do. memories are going to be all over the place. Um, I remember having those conversations. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know who, who I, I mean, it's Matt's editor. So I'll say it, it's a Matt thing. And right. And, but to his credit, like he and Will were always really supportive of when we wanted to do anything like that. Like, right. you know, we, we wanted to give Supergirl her own apartment. We wanted to give her like, we wanted to give her a, a home base and a home. And, and one of the things in my original pitch was like, she was um, kind of wandering. She was just a wandering character and yeah. she would wander in and out of various situations. And I wanted to, I wanted to give her a place to go to both on new Krypton and on earth because like, she's not Gandalf, you know, like <laughs> she needs, she needs a home and, and th- there needs to be a, a, a way to ground her a little bit so that when she goes off on these crazy adventures, um, we care, you know, like right. when she says to Lana, I'm going to new Krypton and I'm not sure when I'll be back and they hug, like that should be a big moment because sure. it's these like Lana is the surrogate mother Right. slash sisterly figure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, and that's funny. I was thinking that today when I was, when I was reading the final thing and I was like, Oh, so she's like the mother, the, the mother part that alert isn't. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm glad you said it. I, at least I got what you were writing about. She's, she's the good version. And, and that's in part because from Lana's point of view, like, like she doesn't like, I, I think in this continuity at that time, like she had a kid, but it was living with Pete Ross or, or like right. the, she needed that in her life. She needed that relationship in her life. And Kara needed essentially a big sister mother figure to help foster her through very troubled waters. And then her real mom shows up and is a total bitch. And so, (laughs) so like Lana and Allura became two sides of that, of that parental coin. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though Allura was like, quietly secretly supportive she never said that to Kara until the very very end right um and whereas lana was always supportive but she was hiding something from Kara personal right. mm-hmm. um and so I, I just i always liked playing those two relationships off of one another um and it generated i think some really interesting conflict between all of those characters uh, and allowed us to to really build out Lana as a character because Lana was really unused too. I mean, at that time in in Superman history, she would she'd been like the head of LexCorp, right? And, and she'd been married to she was like the first like Pete Ross had been vice president, so she was the first lady 
mm-hmm. uh, whatever the vice president's first lady is called, like um, just really like, I, again, a wandering character who just sort of been brought in when, when d- you needed a familiar face essentially to be a, a, a in the book. And I wanted to give her a, a reason to exist. And, and I, I love the daily planet. I love the daily planet. Yes, and I- so, Anytime I can tie a character to that as the central hub of the Metropolis books, like I, I would. So Lana became business editor, and and now she's you know she's got a position where she's close to Lois and Clark while she's helping foster Kara um, when Kara's on Earth. I mean, it it just it, it all sort of clicked together and made sense um, to me, and hopefully it came through to to readers. Like it it was just. It was a really fun time and it was really cool. It was a really cool book to be on. And I'm, I'm again, to this day, like extremely thankful that b- between Jeff and James and Idelson and, and Will Moss and, and, and then working with Jamal and we worked with Fernando Dagnino and Matt Camp. And, and I mean, I, we, we had a bunch of really great, uh, Perry Perez, we had a bunch of really great artists working with us for a period of about three years um, mm-hmm. to really ele- elevate these characters. And, and Supergirl was not, I mean, she hasn't historically been a huge, huge character for a lot of people. I mean, she has fans. Do not get me wrong. She's got a great fan base, but like, she's not someone that people know. I mean, they, they know the name more than anything else. Right. You know, I, I am hopeful that, that, and time will tell, like that we told good Supergirl stories that people respond to. Um, yep. you know, like I, I am forever proud of Bizarro Girl. Like I, oh, yeah, I think that's good. good. Dude, it's Bernard Chang. Yeah. It was a great story and I'm really glad that we did it because it's a fairly self-contained ish Supergirl story. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that trade has the five issue Bizarro Girl thing, annual number two, which is her with the Legion of Superheroes. Yep. yep. And then the two part Dollmaker story. Like, I think that's a really great trade to give to people. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And and again, we worked with some really great artists uh, in that in that book. Um, Mar- uh, Marco Rudy, Marco Rudy did the f- some of the sure. future stuff of the Legion, and it's awesome, super awesome. Yeah, his uh, stuff is so good. Marco, Mar- Mar- correct me if I'm wrong. Marco Rudy went on to do Red Robin, right? Did I or did I make that up? Am I thinking of somebody different? Uh, off the top of my head, I'd have to look, man. Yeah, well, you know, I'll look myself. It's okay. I'll do it later. <laughs> you know, and, and Matt Camp did the other parts of that Legion story, and I don't know. I just, I love that stuff. I really, it's, you know, I, I am happy that those stories exist, and I, I hope they find, I hope that audiences will continue to, to like them. I, I, I hate tooting my own horn, and so. So it's what we're here for. We're tooting it for we're you. It's fine. You. I, yeah. I, I always feel like weird about saying like Bizarro Girl is a really cool super, but I, I really kind of feel I'm really proud of that work, and I think it's um, you should be. You absolutely should be. It was yeah. it was fantastic. I think we, we tried to do something that was unlike most of the books available at that point, and yeah. you know history will determine how successful we were. But I'm really proud of the work that we did, as well. you should be. As you should be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, based on what you've seen and heard about, about the Supergirl TV series that's coming up, do you, are you, what are you excited about? Do you, what do you think, uh, as a fan, right, what, what are some key things that you need to tell a good Supergirl story and that you hope to see them incorporate in this show? So here's the thing. I, I, I have been, I have purposefully kept blinders on for a lot of it. Ah, I, I want to come into that pilot cold. I like that. 
Um, and, and people like there's a, there's a great website, um, Supergirl comic box commentary. I don't know if you know that site. Um, yep. Uh, this guy, a guy named Ange runs it. Ange emailed me, a uh, like, a uh, some kind of like, uh, paparazzi still, I guess like some, some, it, it was, um, it was her in costume, like with a, with a thing of coffee. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. And he's like, isn't this looks so much like what you were doing with Linda Lang? Cause she's got the glasses and the hair and all this stuff. And I'm like, that's awesome. I don't like, please don't send me this stuff. I want to come in completely yeah. cold. Um, but like when the costume broke online, like the Supergirl costume, obviously it's, I mean, it's the background on my phone right now. Like nice. right. I, <laughs> I, I, it's great. It's a really nice design. I love seeing, you can see elements of different Supergirl eras in that design. Yeah. Um, this, like I, I called Jamal uh, the day that came out and I was like, is the skirt she's wearing basically your design for the skirt? Like with the the centerpiece that hangs down and and like is pleated and unfolds, and he's like, I have no idea, but it looks cool. I'm like okay, <laughs> uh, and then I, I talked to Landry Q Walker, um, and he's like, well, we put Supergirl in tights, and she's in tights, so yeah. Um, so you know, maybe I think they're just looking at all the eras and finding the best the best costume that fits everything, and I think it's great. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm Jack. Yeah. Works yeah, out. Colleen Atwood did a fantastic job. She's, I mean, she's knocked out. She knocked out of the park with Arrow and Flash. Oh, she, and, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She, yeah every she's time. an amazing costume. So good, design. so good. Yeah. Um, they they really have found someone special, I think, in her, and and I'm really, I'm I'm happy for it. Like I'm I'm excited to see it, but I'm trying so hard to stay unspoiled on it. Like I, like I, I just I want to I want to see it for the first time when it happens. Um. You know, like oh. I, I, that's just like, I saw flash. I knew nothing about flash, the flash pilot. And I saw it cold, uh, and was just like, okay, I'm in, this is the greatest thing ever. It's so uh, brilliant. The show is. is so brilliant. And so that's I want to, I want to recreate that and do that here again for a character that I, that I really love, you know? So, right. no, that's good. I mean, it, we're doing this show, so it's a little, it's <laughs> would be the worst show ever if we didn't know something about it. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, as a rule, I tend to, I mean, I prefer to stay spoiler free as possible. I, I stay spoiler free on Flash and on Arrow and everything I watch, but yeah, it's tough with Twitter. Um, it is hard. It is hard. You have yeah. to, I mean, you have to watch the show like pretty much the day it airs if you don't want to get spoiled on anything. Yeah. Like I, I haven't watched Flash this week, but because of Twitter, I know what happens. Like, oh, it's a shame. That's a bummer. Um, yeah. It is a bummer. I mean, that's just the, that's just the nature of, of, social media and, and it's the nature like excuse me like avengers i'm gonna see like at midnight the night of because i don't want to wake up the day after and be yeah. like oh Truth. here here are screen caps of every awesome scene <laughs> yes. like, they, they released a trailer today that has this awesome captain america like motorcycle throw oh, thing no, no i'm not <laughs> avengers is my i'm not spoiling i haven't even watched I, that trailer exactly. yeah and, and so and i'm sorry if I, that ruined no anything, that's okay like, captain america throwing a shield isn't exactly the hu- the biggest spoiler in the world <laughs> <laughs> right but but there's a really cool moment in that trailer and i'm like god i wish i hadn't seen that like i wish i'd gone into avengers totally cold but like everyone on Twitter was talking about this and people are posting gifs and all this stuff. So like you kind of have to be aware, but not. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And normally I don't mind spoilers. Like I was a Buffy fan. 
um, well, during. Why aren't you any? No, no, no I'm currently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, when it was on, right, right, Buffy right. was on, and ain't it cool? News ran a story: major Buffy character dying next episode, uh, and I was like, uh, okay, I'll find out. And I clicked through, and again, spoiler alert for stuff that's really old. Um, <laughs> and Tara dies in season six, right? Right. And and knowing that made it just all the worse for the yeah. next like four weeks waiting for that episode to air. And at that point I was like, okay, well spoilers, like I have to rewrite my brain so that spoilers don't affect me in the same right. way. Um, and so I've been very kind of blasé and, and whatever about spoilers ever since. And that was, I don't know, 10 years ago, but like with this pilot, I'm trying really hard not to see a lot of stuff because I want to go in completely fresh eyes and, and watch it. And I'm, but by the way, I'm so psyched for it. Like, oh yeah, I I can't believe that there's a Supergirl TV show. Like, how exciting is that? Um, Truth, no, and, really. And, like, and, who would have thought? And that creative team, like Ali Adler and and Berlani and like mm-hmm. uh, Sarah Schechter, I think's on it too. And yep. Kreisberg, yep. like, it's all really, really great people that have um, done some really great work that I love. So it's, uh, I, I am super, super jacked for it. Um, and, and it takes like, I've been exhibiting a lot of self-control, not emailing, um, Kreisberg every day being like, <laughs> I want to know everything. What's going on. Are you shooting right now? But like, <laughs> I, I want to do that. But, um, and then like Jeff tweeted something about like, uh, we just got the most iconic shot in the Supergirl pilot, and I was like, "God, I want to text him and ask, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> ask what he everything. got." But I don't want to know. Like, I, I want to go in totally cold and, and enjoy this, enjoy this as a fan, and enjoy it with fresh eyes. And and um, that's a lot of willpower. Know, yeah, it does take a lot of willpower. Uh, it's ten times worse for you. You can you can literally call or text Jeff Jobs yeah. and be like, "So how did it go on set today?" Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> But yeah. I don't want to do that. Like, I, I never want to bother him. Oh, you don't want to sure. be that person. Right, yeah. of course. But, like, this is Green Lantern levels of willpower we're talking. Yeah. Well, there's a, <laughs> there's a uh, you know, I like Green Lantern stuff a lot. It taught me a lot about willpower. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's hard. I, You know, again, like, I, I'm proud of the work that we did, and, and I'm excited to see what the future for that character holds, both in comics because her book just ended this week. Like, this, like, yeah, uh, this was right. the last one. Yeah. yeah. The, last, the last issue of Supergirl. Um, Mike Johnson and Perkins, uh, their Supergirl came to a close this week. Sad. Um, it was a good arc. I, the Crucible arc was good. I really enjoyed it. But yeah, like I, I, I don't know. I, I'm really intrigued where that character goes in comics, and I'm really intrigued what they do with that character on a live action TV show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I gotta I, think. I gotta think if the show does as well as we all hope it will, that there will be some kind of a return. In, in comics in some form, whether it's digital, whether it's, you know, print, I, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, that we'll see a, a return to comics sooner rather than later. It, it, it may, but however, I mean, but historically, like they canceled Supergirl right before the movie came out. That's right. Right. So it's a weird echo, a weird echo of, of the last time we had a big mass Supergirl project out in the world. Yeah, very true. Oh, well, now I'm scared. <laughs> don't, 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 be scared. don't be scared. It'll, it'll be fine. It'll be uh, fine. I, I'm, I'm, very, I'm just very intrigued. I, I, I'm, I like everything I've heard about the show so far, but I'm trying really hard not to find out stuff. Like I'm trying to, 
trying to come in completely fresh and and mm. and on the comic side like you know crucible was a great arc and and tony bedard did some really good stuff there and yeah. um I, i've enjoyed this this iteration of supergirl a lot um but it's weird it's weird to read because it's it's a character that i obviously hold dear and and it's it's a very different version of um of supergirl you know yeah i mean like i'm I'm so intrigued because like the flash has a rogues gallery right like i you can say name a flash villain and you're gonna get captain cold and heat wave and reverse flash like people know know those names Mm -hmm. name a supergirl rogues gallery Uh mainstay and that list gets pretty short Reactron, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, and, it's yours. and that was yeah. that was, and that was we were always trying to build up those characters, like, and you can go further back and and try to pull some of the people out of the eighties. You know, Psy was in a couple issues, and mm-hmm. um, uh, Black Star, uh, yeah, like there are characters you can kind of trot out that that uh, only appear a couple times. But like, it's not like, it's not like that you have a deep well. So I'm really intrigued to know what villains like. Are are they just going to keep making new villains? Are they going to? Are all the villains going to be human? Are all the villains going to like Flash? You've got that, you know, the particle accelerator event. So you you've got superpowered metahumans attacking, right. doing it's different like things. Small, it's like the Smallville um, Kryptonite shower. Right. right. Like like yeah. you can do you can do plastique and you can do you know gr- eventually do Grodd and and. Heatwave and and cold or sci-fi weapon powers and like mm-hmm. so I'm really intrigued to know what they like what Supergirl villains they use or do they use Superman villains right, um, right. you know we we always ran the risk of almost all of our Superman uh, like most of the villains we used are Superman villain based initially right, right. like mm-hmm. like Reactron and Metallo are kind of the same idea just twisted slightly. Right. Super Superwoman is is a super character, and she's Lois Lane's sister. Spoiler alert! Um, <laughs> Bizarro Girl is Bizarro Supergirl. Dollmaker is Toy Man's kid. Right. Um, you know, Insect Queen is Lana Lang as a, and we did that as a sequel to a Kurt Busiek Superman story. Basically, That's right? Yep. Um, I mean, like it's tough because she's a distaff character and a lot of your villain base ends up being spinoffs or just Superman villains. You pull, you know, Brainiac, all those guys, um, even Reactron, we retooled him. So he's basically kind of Metallo, but you know, the man with the kryptonite heart, um, right. heart, heart of gold kryptonite. Um, so it's it's I'm really intrigued. I'm really really intrigued to know what they choose to do, like what they who they develop for a, a villain base. Well, we know and, some stuff, but we don't want to. We don't want to. I won't yeah. tell you. <laughs> we promise. won't tell you anything. Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. 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 All right. Good. Um. Cool. Great. So they they have people, is what you're saying. We've yeah. heard we've heard rumblings. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Great. Well, yeah. can't wait! To, can't wait to find out. <laughs> yeah, we, we can't. We can't wait to see it. It's uh, yeah. It, uh, um, to to kind of wrap up yeah. uh, everything, could you sure. could you tell the audience and us, of course, uh, about Post Human Project? Oh sure, um, yeah, yeah. I was I was to be 
total bluntness, I was perusing your website. Um, okay. And that one, and I came You're across. You're the one. I, You're the one I, hit. I, I, no, I was the hit of the day. That was me. Sweet. <laughs> um, Thank you for the one click. You are very welcome. But I was curious about it because it, it popped. It was the first thing that popped up. Um, and so I watched the trailers that you had on there and I saw all the awards that it's won and all these wonderful things. And so now I just would like to hear about it from you. Uh, Post Human is uh, an independent live action teen superhero feature uh, that I was a writer and producer on. Mm-hmm. Um, we shot where it's an Oklahoma based production. Um, we shot we cast crew shot in Oklahoma. Um, and I, I mean, it's, I don't even know where to like, where do I start? It, it's essentially five kids go on a camping trip. They get superpowers because of reasons chaos ensues. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a micro budget film that we made. Uh, and it'll be, uh, we, we just, we just confirmed our distribution deal. So we'll be on, we'll, it'll be available worldwide, uh, in a month. Great. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. So right. I mean, thanks. Yeah. Congrats. We've been running it through the festival circuit. Um, and, and it's been doing pretty well for us with festivals. Um, we, we made it for nothing. I mean, like I, I joke to people like you could buy a nice SUV for probably what our what our production budget was. <laughs> wow. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the story of a, a, a young kid who, um, he was a climber and, and some really bad stuff happened and his dad ended up leaving and his friends, he's been going through rehabilitation and his friends are like, well, before we graduate, like high school, let's, let's try to do this, this climbing trip, this one last, the one last climbing trip, uh, before we, before we walk across that stage and into the rest of our lives. Um, and so they go and they go camping and, and, uh, an accident happens and, uh, it, it inadvertently turns on, uh, powers for them and, and chaos ensues. So, wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's indie. We, 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 we initially were a web series. We, we wanted to make a 12 part web series and then, okay. and so we shot it and we shot it as a web series. And then, um, we ended up cutting it together to be a 90 minute feature and sending it through a film festival circuit. And we, we built up a lot of steam that way. Uh, and then we just signed a deal, um, with a company here in Los Angeles, uh, and they're distributing us and we'll be available yeah, worldwide in five weeks. That's awesome. So, yeah. Cool. I, I'm looking forward to watching it. This is great. Same. I mean, it's, it's super weird for me to watch because it was never meant to be a feature for me. Like yeah, it was always, sure. it was always going to be this thing we made for, for, you know, kids on YouTube to watch. And, uh, and so watching it in 90 minute chunks, it's just bizarre. It's so bizarre. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, I'm actually going to a meeting next week to determine uh, if if we do more post-human project stuff. Very cool. Um, but it's all Oklahoma-based. Like, I, I'm the only person involved that doesn't live in Oklahoma, but I'm from Oklahoma, so they can oh. they can say that it's Oklahoma-based. Yep. yep. Right. Um, 
but like all of our casts have, you know, everyone has Oklahoma connections all even down to like the, the bands on our soundtrack um, are all Oklahoma bands, except for I think one. That's um, cool. So cool. You know, I, I, uh, it was spearheaded by by a guy named Kyle Roberts. He he directed and produced it. Um, and then my friend Matt was the other writer, uh, Matt Price. I and I just told some of this today. Like I, I'm really happy that we made something for that that Oklahoma can like. Hopefully, again, time will tell. Like we made something for our state, and we sure. we tried to do something no one had ever done before, and that was can we make a superhero visual effect teen drama like mm. so it, it it's essentially at its heart a teen drama but there are superpowers sprinkled throughout um and can we do it in such a way like that's fairly cheap and inexpensive but still gets people intrigued or excited um kyle's whole thing was can we keep it fairly family friendly so it's it can play to any any age range and any crowd um and i think that's fairly successful on that on that front but Good. Uh, but it's weird, man. It's it's something that I never I, I never thought it would get this far. I think I can say that safely. I never thought it would get this far. <laughs> and like the fact that it will that as far as I know, it'll be on like iTunes and stuff like in May or June. I, I actually have to look, but like it'll be soon. It'll be out there wow. and people can see it. It's just so again, it was just something that we did that, that I really liked and I'm, I'm proud of in a lot of ways. Uh, and I, I never expected it to be the thing that it's become. That's so exciting. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah. It's, uh, I, and, and I, I look up like above my desk, I have this cast signed poster and it's like, yeah, that's, I love all those guys. And, and we, we cast some of the I think some of the best actors in Oklahoma at that time, and they've all moved on and, and, you know, two of them are out here and one of them's in Chicago. And I think one of them's in in New York or the East coast somewhere. And so it's, it's, it's gratifying that people are finally able to see it. Um, And it's gratifying that all those actors have gone on to be, to, to be really successful. Um, But yeah, post human, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a 90 minute, it's a 90 minute superhero teens. If you like, if you like the Supergirl stuff, there will probably be something for you in post human project. Excellent. So excellent. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show. It was a great, great conversation, you know, good, sure. Good time. Just kind of shooting the breeze and, and talking about talking about superheroes. It was blessed. Yeah, sorry, sorry, I went on for forever. Oh, the worst problem <laughs> no. to have. Yeah, no. yeah. You, you get me going, and I can I can talk for a while. So, well, we really appreciate it. Thanks for thanks for choosing to spend that time talking with us. No, I'm I'm happy to be here, and 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 I'm I'm very I'm I, like I said, I'm really glad people are finding the work that Jamal and I did. Like it's it makes me happy that that people are are discovering discovering that work you know, all these years later, cause it's, it's been a, been a hot minute. So, yeah. right. Um, so thank you for having me on. And, and I, I hope that, um, you know, I, I hope people check out these books and I hope they like them. Did or that. I'm sure they will. Absolutely. That was Sterling Gates, everybody. Oh. Well, and, and Frank and myself, but mostly Sterling Gates, more as you just heard Sterling, more yeah. important, most importantly, Sterling Gates. Um, great, great guy. Lots of fun. 
could talk your ear off in the best way possible. In the best way. I mean, such a blast. So much fun to, to talk to, the, to this guy. Um, you know, he, I, we said it during the interview, but really that that run was our fan favorite, critically acclaimed. Um, and it was so great to, you know, five years after I was reading his books, people sit down and, and talk to him for a couple hours and, and have a have a really fun conversation about comics. Yep, not going to lie kind of teared up a little bit and i mean by a little bit i mean actually quite a bit when he was talking about his dad and the yeah, flash and the legacy and i was like i'm just sitting here like i can't handle this, this yeah is too- he's the real deal yeah he's the real deal so thanks so, so much. earnest awesome yeah yeah thanks so much to sterling gates for for being on the show we really appreciate it and, and we had a we had a blast talking to him we had a super time yep okay super, I do that. super time sterling yep, that's silver in, that's, time that is that is twice in that is twice in the same episode that we did that this is, um no one should ever why do people why do they give us microphones why did this happen oh we bought it, the microphones ourselves oh that's, is that oh i had to pay for it this. is yeah oh. you know what okay all right well. all right you want to close up frank yeah let's, let's close uh, up shop. Let's, yeah. let's call it a day let's call it a day uh thanks so much for listening. We are proud members of DCTVTalk.com and the Superman Podcast Network. Check us out on Twitter at TV Supergirl, uh, SupergirlTVTalk at gmail.com. Visit SupergirlTVTalk.com for uh, all the latest episodes. For more news on our uh, Star Wars Celebration Anaheim pass uh, sweepstakes and uh, all that fun stuff. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio. Leave us a review. Uh, be our friend. Be our friend, be our, our friend. friend. These are not the real words. We'll see you later. And the alligator. Do- okay, I'm done. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Up, up, and away. Up, up, and away. See you later. Bye. <laughs>